the vaccine is safe and effective. That's what they said, but a massive backlog of claims against the COVID shot says otherwise. As of January, there are nearly 10,000 claims awaiting a decision in the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. The number spikes to nearly 13,000 if you include other COVID-19 countermeasures, aside from the jab. Only 40 claims have been processed. That's right, 40. That's a mere 0.0004% of the vaccine claims. The slow results stems from a colossal backlog of nearly 11,000 that have been left unprocessed. And that backlog isn't going away anytime soon. According to testimony from a February 15th Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic, there's a staff shortage that's causing this problem. The CICP, the program, has only 35 employees. Each employee can process 2.7 cases a month. At that rate, it will take 10 years to clear the backlog. And that's if no new claims are filed. This is how your government takes care of you. They tell you, take the vaccine because it's safe and effective. Then it harms you, and they drag their feet in remedying the situation. Here's the kicker. Only 11 people received compensation for their petition. This includes both vaccine injury claims as well as other COVID-19 measures that might have harmed someone. To make matters even worse, they don't offer much in terms of financial compensation. The average award for those 11 people? Just $3,700. That'll barely cover a couple months' rent in the United States. But the podcast doesn't end there. If you're listening to this, you probably already know that government failure is common. There's more here than slow gears of bureaucracy, though. You see, there's another vaccine compensation court called the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, VICP. It covers claims related to 16 common vaccines, a lot of the ones you got if you went to school. That average payout for those claims is nearly a half million dollars. It's a big difference from $3,700 to half million. So why would a COVID-19 vaccine be different than perhaps another vaccine on the schedule? Well, let's do a quick deep dive into these compensation programs, and then you tell me if one was set up to fail. Let's cover the original vaccine court called the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. It was established in 1988 and is funded by a 75-cent excise tax per vaccine dose that is paid by pharmaceutical companies. It has doled out more than $5 billion for vaccine injuries since its inception. The process is an alternative to the tort system. It is tedious and it is long. The program is housed in the civil division of the Department of Justice. This is how it works. Someone who believes they have evidence that a vaccine injured them files a petition with the program. There are four outcomes. One is that Health and Human Services concedes that the vaccine was more than likely caused by the vaccine or that the evidence presented meets the criteria of the vaccine injury table. The court would also have to determine that the petition should be compensated. The second outcome is a court decision. A special master within the United States Court of Federal Claims will issue that decision. Health and Human Services must abide by the decision whether they agree or not. The third outcome is a settlement. Neither the court nor Health and Human Services is saying that the vaccine caused the injury, but they agreed to fulfill the petition anyways. The final outcome is dismissal, which means no compensation. Since its creation, more than 26,000 petitions have been filed with the court. 
nearly 23,000 were adjudicated. And it's almost a 50-50 split between those that were dismissed and those that received financial compensation. And remember, the average award was nearly half a million dollars. The Health Resources and Services Administration claims that for every one million doses of a vaccine that's given, one person was compensated for an injury. You might be asking yourself, why can't these claims be levied against pharmaceutical companies? They're the ones, after all, that created the vaccine in the first place. You see, in the 80s, the DPT vaccine, which stands for diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, was under a lot of scrutiny. Parents who thought that their children were harmed by the vaccine brought lawsuits against the manufacturers. As a result, two of the three manufacturers decided to halt or restrict their sales. This created a shortage of the vaccine. Manufacturers were scared of getting sued, and parents were scared to give their kids something they thought was dangerous. So the government, like they always do, decided to get involved and solve a problem they should have never mingled with. What they needed to do was completely shield vaccine makers from lawsuits so that more vaccines could be made and that more people would take them and the companies wouldn't worry about getting sued. All about protecting that bottom dollar. And that's exactly what they did. The National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act was passed as part of a larger health bill and signed into law by President Reagan in 1986. Two years later, we got the VICP, which established a federal no-fault compensation system. Imagine being a company and getting gifted the opportunity to make a product and defer all liability. Who knows how many more claims might be paid out if people were aware that it existed or if they knew that the government accepts claims against vaccines. The same time the compensation program was created, so was the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, commonly referred to as VAERS. You might have heard this pop up some during the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. That database is co-managed by the FDA and the CDC. It serves as basically a tracking system. According to the VAERS website, it is, quote, a national early warning system to detect possible safety problems in U.S. licensed vaccines. Anyone can report an injury to VAERS. The thing is, less than 1% of all vaccine adverse events are ever reported. That statistic comes from Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. It's not just some random study. They're an insurance company that has a research affiliation with the Harvard University. Okay, so VICP is rigorous, and it does admit that vaccines can cause injury, and it is paid out heftily. As I mentioned before, it's awarded more than $5 billion since its inception. So why is the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, the one used for the COVID vaccines, why is it only paid out 11 awards with an average amount of just $3,700? That's all due to how it was structured. The program, CICP, was established as part of the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act of 2005. During a declared public health emergency, manufacturers, distributors, and administrators are exempt from liability. Instead, the program provides a public liability insurance mechanism that is financed by general taxes and put aside in a separate fund. It's essentially a liability shield, just like the original vaccine program. And boy, does it do its job well. The first major thing that makes us different from the original program was that it only gives you one year to file an injury claim. So if you've been injured but don't find out until a year later, you're disqualified. You get no court, no judge, no right to discovery. Decisions are made by a team of 35 employees, basically bureaucrats. The countermeasure used, for example, the COVID-19 shot, must have directly caused the injury. It can't be a temporal association. 
It also has to be compelling, reliable, valid medical and scientific evidence. How can we have such evidence when the vaccine itself has only been used for about three years and was developed in less than a year? Who knows, but that's the way it's structured. This program only pays unreimbursed medical expenses, a part of your lost income, and a death benefit. So if you received workers' compensation, have private insurance, or receive government benefits, that will be used first. You get zilch for damages, pain and suffering, or attorney fees. Now, by contrast, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, the one started back in the 80s under Reagan, it covers attorney's fees, pain and suffering, lost wages, and even future medical expenses. Here's a few other disturbing differences. The newer program created in 2005, the CICP, it is based on administrative law, not the judicial system. There is no precedential value, and precedents aren't made available to the public. In addition, petitioners can be blocked from even questioning the adjudicators. The CICP lacks transparency. The decision-makers, decision-making processes, and compensation details are publicly unavailable. The CICP lacks accountability. The Department of Health and Human Services serves as adjudicator and defendant. Talk about a conflict of interest there. The CICP lacks a third-party adjudicator. The administrator is assigned to manage the program, but there's no one single person in charge that can be held accountable. The CICP is not cost-effective. The program spends just 6% of its money on compensation to victims, whereas the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program from the 80s spends 88% on compensation to victims. Essentially, the CICP program is a facade, an empty promise to victims of U.S. countermeasures. COVID-19 vaccine injuries won't stand a chance. I'd call it a kangaroo court, but it's not even a court. It's an administrative department. The whole do as we say, we know best, the vaccines are safe and effective is starting to sound a whole lot like ground zero. Remember Christine Todd Whitman's lethal statement? Just a week after the Twin Towers collapsed, she sent out a statement saying, quote, I'm glad to reassure the people of New York that their air is safe to breathe and their water is safe to drink. Well, she was wrong. Whether you believe she was lying or just stupid, Americans paid the price. 9-11 first responders had been fighting for more than 20 years to get funding for their illnesses. You might recall John Stewart's passionate plea to Congress back in 2019. Hundreds died in an instant. Thousands more poured in to continue to fight for their brothers and sisters. The breathing problem started almost immediately, and they were told they weren't sick, they were crazy. And then, as the illnesses got worse and things became more apparent, well, okay, you're sick, but it's not from the pile. And then when the science became irrefutable, okay, it's the pile. But this is a New York issue. I don't know if we have the money. And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry. And you should be too. And they're all angry as well. And they have every justification to be that way. There is not a person here, there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out, never forget the heroes of 9-11, never forget their bravery, never forget what they did, what they gave to this country. Well, here they are. 
And where are they? And it would be one thing if their callous indifference and rank hypocrisy were benign, but it's not. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity, time. It's the one thing they're running out of. This should be flipped. This hearing should be flipped. These men and women should be up on that stage and Congress should be down here answering their questions as to why this is so damn hard and takes so damn long. And why no matter what they get, something's always pulled back and they gotta come back. This is a moving speech, no doubt, but pretty soon it won't just be about 9-11 responders. One day, in the not-so-distant future, someone else will be in that chair, and they won't be talking about how the government lied about air quality. They'll be talking about how the government lied about vaccines being safe. Everyone who was injured by the vaccine will be like those 9-11 first responders and find themselves in the most vulnerable place you can ever be, at the mercy of Congress. Thanks for listening to Overnight Opinions. Be sure to tune in next Sunday night for an all-new episode. In the meantime, be sure to follow the Ladies Love Politics channel on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Variety on Social, True Social, X, BitChute, and Rumble.